It's stewardship season here at Faith Presbyterian Church, and this morning I'm going to be reading to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. But before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your Spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world into himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just this past weekend, I was up in South Carolina for my uncle's funeral. I do want to say thank you for giving me the chance to be up there with family. Lots of family came to to be together during that time. It was great to see so many cousins and friends. My cousin Jennifer actually came with her two children, and it was great to see them because I don't get to see them very often. They live out in Washington State. Her two children are homeschooling right now because of the pandemic, and they're so smart. In fact, I, I don't know why I'm so surprised. We obviously have intelligence that runs in our family. But it was great to see them and to see how hard they worked and to see all the things that they were learning and that my cousin Jennifer was teaching them. At one point, they were sitting at the breakfast table doing some math problems, and I leaned over one of them and pointed and said, don't forget to carry your two there. And my, my nephew looked up at me with the strangest look on his face, like I was speaking some different language. My cousin Jennifer looked at me and said, Brad, we don't teach them to carry the two anymore. They're doing new math now. Now, that sounded strange to me. I learned arithmetic just like my parents did before me, but nowadays apparently kids are learning new math, conceptual math, or common core math, some people talk, call it. New math is what my cousin Jennifer called it. And it was amazing to me to see how they did this math problem in a very different way than I was taught to do it in a new way, and yet somehow they got the same answer that I did. Sometimes new things are difficult for us, and yet, we have to do new things all the time. In fact, during this time of the pandemic, we've used the word unprecedented countless times. But really, all that word unprecedented means is it means new. It's something new for us that we've never had to experience before. Sometimes new things are wonderful, and we're excited to have a chance to try something new. Other times, new things are hard because it means change, change to things that we're not ready for. Even the Bible talks about new things. God is doing a new thing. God is bringing about a new covenant, or God will make all things new. Sometimes that newness is what we want, what we are after, what we're waiting for, and sometimes that newness can be difficult for us. 
Just think about those Hebrews who were enslaved in, in, in Egypt for so long. Moses led them out to the wilderness to this new world. But while they were out there struggling in this new life, wandering in the wilderness, many of them thought it might be easier if they went back to their old life in Egypt in slavery. But that's what happens to us when we face new things, when we face new problems. And we've certainly felt that way recently when we faced this new world. As we look to 2021 here at Faith Presbyterian Church, I want us to think about how we can face all of these new challenges together, how we are called to face this new world together with our time and our resources and our talents. Because God tells us all the time that God will make all things new. In fact, we hear that in our passage this morning. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away and the new life has come. So what does it mean to be a new creation during a time such as this? Well, good news is Paul tells us a little bit about what it means to be a new creation. It all has to do with point of view. We can look at being a new creation as something good, or we can look at being a new creation as something difficult. It just depends on the point of view that we have. And Paul tells us that for most of us, and for up until now, we have looked at the world from a, a human point of view. And what he really means is a limited point of view. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about blindness, how we all have different points of view, and that's especially evident right now. We all see things from our own perspective. We all see other people from our own perspective. But that, in Paul's mind, really just means we all have a limited perspective a human perspective. The great philosopher Immanuel Kant talked about how we often view each other from our own limited perspective. We, we view other people from our limited viewpoint. We see other people as a means to our end, a means to, to achieve our goals and our dreams and our values. But to have true morals and true values, Immanuel Kant says we should see other people from a different point of view, looking at other people as a goal, as an end in and of themselves. Not just how they can help us achieve our dreams, but how we can help other people achieve their dreams, because their dreams are just as valid as ours. Paul tells us that in order to be a new creation, we have to stop looking at the world from just a human point of view, and start looking at the world from Christ's point of view. To see other people and to see ourselves the way Jesus Christ sees us. That's not always easy to do. And yet that's what Paul calls us to do. That's what Jesus Christ calls us to do. To look at the world and to look at ourselves the way God sees us. As unique, loved creations of God who have a purpose and a plan and a meaning just because we are God's children. As I told you just a few minutes ago, I got to spend the past few weekends up in South Carolina honoring my uncle who passed away. I was very close to my uncle Steve. He and his family lived right around the corner from us, and, and our families were very connected all throughout my childhood. My uncle Steve was not a flashy person. He was not a wealthy person, but he had this incredible gift. Every time I was around him, of making me feel good about myself. He had this way of just building me up every time he saw me. He would come watch one of my basketball games, and I might only play 30 seconds in that basketball game, and my team might have won by 30 points. But after the game he was over, he would always come to me and say, Brad, 
your 30 seconds made the difference. You did it. He would always build me up. And that's what he did for everybody, I discovered. Every time he was around someone new, he had this gift of looking at them from a holy point of view, of seeing them for who God saw them to be, and building them up and lifting them up. Just this past week, as I was spending time with my cousins, they asked me if there was anything of my uncle's that I wanted that would maybe remind me of him now that he's passed away. I honestly couldn't think of much, but the one thing that did come to my mind was his glasses. He wore glasses every single day of his life. He had terrible eyesight. But for some reason, those glasses reminded me of him, not just because he always wore them, but because it reminded me of how he saw other people. He always had this way of looking at other people and seeing the best in them, seeing the potential in them, and building them up rather than tearing them down. And so they gave me his glasses that I can keep with me to remind me of how I'm called to see other people for the best that they are, for who they are as children of God. That's how God sees us, as God's beloved children. Children who, yes, make mistakes, but children who are loved, children who are valued, children who have potential and a purpose and a plan. That's who God wants us to be. That's who God sees us as. And that's why God calls us to be this new creation that God knows we can be. But that's not always easy for us to do, to be able to to look at other people through those kind of grace glasses like my Uncle Steve had, like Paul had, like Jesus Christ calls all of us to have. The good news is, in this little passage that I just read, Paul gives us a little clue of how we can try to have that perspective, that point of view, when we look at other people around us. How we can see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And there are two words within the passage that really help us with that. The first word is ambassadors, and the second word is reconciliation. First, Paul calls us to be ambassadors for Christ, and we've talked about this before. The word ambassador is in Greek. We actually translate it as elders, or it actually the Greek word is presbyteros, where we get the word presbyterian. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ, and when we think of ambassadors in our, in our minds, we often think of some sort of government official who goes in and represents a, a, a nation or a government to another nation or another government. But that's who we're called to be, not to represent our nation, but to represent our God, to represent our Christ, and represent that love and that value to other people. Bob Goff, who's the wonderful author you may have heard of, he wrote the book Love Does, tells a great story about how he worked as a, a consul for the nation of Uganda, and he was trying to represent them for all kinds of nations around the world. And just after September 11th, he, he felt just the futility of his work. And he reached out to his three children, who were all small, young children at the time, and asked them what they thought he ought to do to try to reach out to these other nations around them. His youngest child said, well, if I could talk to any of these nations, I would ask them to come over to our house and spend the night. And his second child said, if I could talk to all of these nations, I would ask them what their hope is for the future. And the third child, the oldest child, said, if I could talk to all of these nations, I would not ask them to come spend the night with me, but I would ask them if I could go and visit them. Well, 
Bob thought that was pretty good advice. And so he wrote letters to 29 different nations all over the world and asked them those questions if they would come visit him or what their hope was for the future or, or if he could go and visit them. And believe it or not, all 29 of those nations invited him to come and visit to come and build a relationship with them. And so that's what he did. He traveled all over the world on behalf of Uganda, learning about other nations and reaching out on behalf of other nations because that's what an ambassador does. As ambassadors for Christ, we can't represent God by sitting right here in our pews in our own homes. We have to reach out and build relationships. That's what we're called to do. And I believe we're called to do that now more than ever. Because there are people around us who are in deep need, especially because of everything that's going on in the world right now. They need to know that God loves them. They need to be able to see themselves through the eyes of God. And they need us as ambassadors of Christ to show them that grace and love. And the way we do that, the way we be ambassadors is by reaching out, going outside of our church, going outside of these walls, and building relationships with people all around us. We've done that with people before. We have great relationships with mission partners here in our town. But over the next few months and over next year, I hope we can use our resources to strengthen those relationships that we have and maybe even take some leaps of faith to build new relationships, to, to find new people in our community where we can build bridges and tear down walls. The second word that Paul talks about in that little passage is reconciliation. That's really what the whole letter of 2 Corinthians is about. It's about reconciliation. God's reconciliation with us through Jesus Christ and our reconciliation with other people. That's really truly the work of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. That's what that work is, is to reconcile ourselves with God and to reconcile ourselves with each other. And that's very difficult work. But that's the work that we have to do right now, more than ever. You know, more than ever, our world is at odds with each other. Our nation is at odds with each other. And what we need more now than ever are ambassadors for reconciliation. People who are willing to reach out and build bridges with other people. Reach out and shine God's love on other people. Instead of fighting with each other all the time, finding ways to work together, to learn from each other, and to help each other grow. Building each other up, rather than simply telling, tearing each other down. I told you this story years ago that my professor David Torforni told me from seminary when, when he was, about a time when he was a minister, he was working at a church and two elders in his congregation got in a big fight over all things. It was where to put the American flag in their sanctuary. One of them wanted to put it out right by the front door where everybody could see it when they came in. Another wanted to put it right up front where everybody could see it by the pulpit. And they argued back and forth over where the best place was for the American flag. And finally, after that, argument, feelings were hurt, and, and they were at odds with each other, and there needed to be some sort of healing, some sort of reconciliation that could take place, but my professor David Forney knew exactly what to do. That next Sunday, they were gathering around the communion table to celebrate communion together, and those two elders had signed up to serve in tension, and so David put those two elders right beside each other, on one side of the table, just like we do here in our sanctuary. And after all the people filed through one by one, taking the bread, dipping it in the cup, those two elders 
who were standing beside each other had to turn and serve each other. And it was through that holy sacrament, through that act, that they found themselves equals, sitting and gathering around the table of God, that they both had a place there in spite of their differences, in spite of their anger, in spite of all the ways that they had fought with each other. There at God's table, they were both children. All of them, each of them, all of us, gather around that table as equals, where in spite of our differences, every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the work of being a Christian, is reconciliation, being ambassadors of reconciliation for the world. In 2021, I hope we will find ways to be ambassadors of reconciliation, not just for Tallahassee, but for the whole world around us to be living examples of what it means to see the world from the point of view of Jesus Christ. We have to do that by taking bold leaps of faith, by reaching out and helping those people in need, by starting new relationships with people that, well, it may be a little dangerous to start those relationships, but but God's calling us to do that. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about more of those relationships specifically. But today, I want to end the sermon by giving you a chance to hear from one of our long-time relationships that we've had for many years with Lloyd and Melanie Monroe down in Guatemala. We haven't been able to go down to Guatemala this year like we hoped to because of the pandemic, but their ministry continues even now. So take a couple of moments and, and hear this report from them about how all the wonderful things that they're still doing in Guatemala even now. The staff here at Porch de Solomon is always striving to serve the lost, the least, and the last. Guatemala has been affected by the COVID pandemic along with the rest of the world. But due to the nation's poverty and the broken healthcare system, the majority of the population has been hit hard. Porch de Solomon continues to serve during this difficult season, ensuring we use our resources to the best of our ability. There is a huge need for food supplies and water filters, and our ministry vehicles are being utilized to take patients to receive hemodialysis, without which several would be facing certain death. To protect our staff as well as those we serve, we follow safety protocols mandated by our government. Masks are mandatory at all times and we practice social distancing. Your financial support allows us to continue serving the lost, the least, and the last. We're Melanie and Lloyd Monroe, the co-founders of Porsche to Salomon, and thank you so much for watching our video. Canceling 20 short-term teams because of the pandemic has cost Porsche to Salomon energy and encouragement and money. God be praised, partners like your church, families, individuals are helping fill that gap. We're thankful for that, and we're thankful for you. Thank you. 